I'm Wimala, and today is another warm but beautiful, sunny, blossoming day uh, here in northern Illinois. And it's also, um, tomorrow is the Visak ceremony and parade and uh, gathering at Blue Lotus Temple in Woodstock. So um, this is the first time since the pandemic. So the first time, two years it had to be canceled and we're back this year, back to big event. So if you're local, hope you, hope you get to make it for part of it from four to seven and the parade is at about probably between fourth, uh, starts at four in the Dama Hall and then by maybe by 5.30 they're out parading around the square in Woodstock. So then everyone comes back to the temple and we just have fellowship. There's food and uh, time and space to talk to everyone you haven't seen in a long time. So, and remember that's the Buddhist celebration for, uh, it celebrates the birth and the enlightenment and the Padinibbana or the final enlightenment at the Buddha's death. So it's a, it's three holidays rolled in, three special occasions rolled into one. So it's always uh, joyful. So I started reading this really good book by Lama Yeshe, Yeshe Becoming Your Own Therapist. And I'm thinking this is going to be a book that everyone should have. And I thank uh, Todd Nielsen for giving it to me. This was his teacher back when he, long before he uh, came to Blue Lotus and moved, when he moved back to Wisconsin, but back when he was in uh, San Francisco in his working days. So I really appreciate this and really reading it with you and what I'm going to do, yesterday I read the first chapter, Finding Ourselves Through Buddhism. And his chapters are written, they're, they're from lectures, and then there's a Q&A at the end of the, each one because he's answering questions after he gives, uh, gives a talk. So I wanted to read some of the questions. Some of the questions are a little bit off the topic, but most of them yeah, most of them are good. Okay. And one, the first, very first question is of interest to me because we don't talk about visualization much in the Theravadan tradition, but uh, this is a, Lama Yeshe is, was uh, uh, one of the uh, senior Tibetan monks in the Tibetan tradition, Vajrayana. And so there's more visualization in that. But he has, there's the very first question is about that. So here's the question. Remember this chapter was him talking about, the whole book is about how to become your own therapist. And so it's about watching ourselves and being aware of what we're doing and trying and working to understand that. 
how our habits are built up, where defilements are coming from, and how we how we see things and view things, and that we need to stop and take the time to see that and see where where we're getting stuck. And we can do it just by stopping, slowing down, and paying attention to ourselves. So here's the first question. When you were talking about meditation, you didn't mention visualization. It seems that some people find it relatively easy to visualize, while others find it quite difficult. How important is it to develop the ability to visualize things in the mind? In his answer, Lama Yeshe's, many people have trouble visualizing what's described to them simply because they have trained they have not trained their minds in it. But for others, it's because they have a poor imagination. They're too physical. Perhaps they think that all there is to their being is their physical body, that there's no mind apart from their brain. However, Buddhism has methods whereby you can train your mind and develop the ability to visualize in meditation. But in reality, you visualize all day long. The breakfast you eat in the morning is a visualization. Whenever you go shopping and think this is nice or I don't like that, whatever you're looking at is a projection of your own mind. Whenever you get up in the morning and see the sun shining and think, oh, it's going to be nice today, that's your own mind visualizing. Actually, visualization is quite well understood. Even shopkeepers and advertising agents know the importance of visualization. So they create displays or billboards to attract your attention. By this, they know that things you see affect your mind, your visualization. Visualization is not something supernatural, it's scientific. Next question. From what you say, I get the impression you're somewhat critical of the West, that you laugh at what we do and the way we try to civilize the uncivilized. I don't really have a question, but what future do you see for mankind in terms of what the so-called progressive West is developing? Bigger planes, bigger houses, bigger supermarkets? What future do you see for the West? And the Lama answers, I see that Western people are getting busier and busier, more and more restless. I'm not criticizing material or technological development as such, but rather the uncontrolled mind. Because you don't know who or what you are, you spend your life blindly grasping at what I call supermarket goodness. You agitate your own life, you make yourself restless. Instead of integrating your life, you splinter it. Check up for yourself, I'm not putting you down. In fact, Buddhism doesn't allow us to dogmatically put down anybody else's way of life. All I'm trying to suggest is that you consider looking at things another way. Next question. Lama, like yourself, most of the Tibetan teachers we see are men. I was wondering if there are any female Rinpoches or Tulkus. 
and Lama answer, yes, of course, men and women are completely equal when it comes to developing higher states of mind. In Tibet, monks would sometimes take teachings from female Rinpoches. Buddhism teaches that you can't judge people from the outside. You can't say, he's nothing, I'm special. You can never really tell from outer appearances who's higher and who's lower. And the next question, is the role of a Buddhist nun very different from that of a monk? Answer, not really. They study the same things and teach their students in the same ways. Uh, what should, next question, what should people in the West do when they can't find a teacher? Should those who are really searching go to the East to find one? And Lama answers, don't worry, when the time is right, you'll meet your teacher. Buddhism doesn't believe that you can push other people. Everybody should learn to meditate. Everybody should become a Buddhist. That's stupid. <laughs> Pushing people is unwise. When you're ready, some kind of magnetic energy will bring you together with your teacher. About going to the East, it depends on your personal situation. Check up. The important thing is to search with wisdom and not blind faith. Sometimes, even if you go to the East, you still can't find a teacher. It takes time. Another question, and then I'll just read a few more because these are kind of getting off the topic. <clears throat> If a person, out of ignorance, perhaps, believes he has achieved enlightenment, what is his purpose in continuing to live? Lama Yeshe, an ignorant person who thinks he's enlightened is completely mentally polluted and is simply compounding the ignorance he already has. All he has to do is check the actions of his uncontrolled mind and he'll realize he's not enlightened. Also, you don't have to ask others, am I enlightened? Just check your own experiences. Enlightenment is a highly personal thing. Okay, and then the questions become more and more general. So we, maybe we can wait and save these kind of questions for later because I'd like to stay with the uh, finding ourselves, you know, using uh, becoming your own therapist. Some of these are more general. an interesting question question I don't I don't mean making all people the same uh, so the, here's the, the other question 
uh, here the question starts. It's two questions. Uh, it's actually this person asked three or four. <laughs> I was thinking that many people in the world today are hungry and deprived of basic needs and that while they're preoccupied with hunger and the safety of their families, it's hard for them to grasp the more subtle aspects of phenomena, such as the nature of their own minds. And his answer, yes, I understand what you are saying, but don't forget that the starving person preoccupied by hunger and the obese person obsessing over what else to buy in the supermarket are basically the same. Don't just focus on these, on those who are materially deprived. Mentally, rich and poor are equally disturbed, and fundamentally, one is as unhappy as the other. The next, another question, I think from maybe the same person. But Lord, Lord Krishna united India in a spiritual war, the war of Dharma, and as a result, at one time, all the people of India had the ability to engage in spiritual practice. Couldn't we now spread the Dharma among all the people on earth and establish a better global society through a kind of spiritual socialism? Lama, first of all, I think that what you're saying is potentially very dangerous. Only a few people would understand what you're talking about. Generally, you can't say that actions that give harm to another sentient, sent, that give harm to mother. Generally, you can't say that actions that give harm, it must, it, I think it's a typo, to another sentient, to other sentient beings are those of a bodhisattva. Buddhism forbids you to kill other sentient beings even for supposedly religious reasons. In Buddhism, there's no such thing as a holy war. You have to understand this. And secondly, it's impossible to equalize everybody on earth through force. Until you fully understand the minds of all beings throughout the universe and have abandoned the minds of self-cherishing and attachment, you will never make all living beings one. It's impossible. Uh, same person, another question. I don't mean making all people the same, because obviously there are going to be different mental levels. But we could establish a universal human society on the basis of socialistic economic theory. Lama Yeshe, I think you shouldn't worry about that. You'd be better off worrying about the society of your own mind. That's more worthwhile, more realistic than making projections about what's happening in the world around you. But it, another question, same person, but is it not a spiritual practice to strike, strike a balance between your own self-realization and service to humanity? Lama, yes, you can serve society, but you can't homogenize all sentient beings' actions simultaneously. Just like that. 
Lord Buddha wants all sentient beings to become enlightened right away, but our negative karma is too strong, so we remain uncontrolled. You can't wave a magic wand. I want everybody to be equally happy and expect it to happen just like that. Be wise. Only a wise mind can offer equality and peace. You can't do it through emotional rationalization. And you have to know that communist ideas about how best, best to equalize sentient beings are very different from those of Lord Buddha. You can't mix such, such different ideas. Don't fantasize. Be realistic. That's a very interesting train of conversation with that one. And the person continues. In conclusion, then, are you saying that it's impossible to create one common spiritual society on this planet? The Lama's answer, even if you could, it would not stop people's problems. Even if you made a single society of all of the inhabitants of the entire universe, there would still be attachment. There would still be anger there would still be hunger. Problems lie within each individual. People are not the same. Everybody is different. Each of us needs different methods according to our individual psychological makeup, mental attitudes, and personality. Each of us needs a different approach in order to obtain enlightenment. That's why Buddhism completely accepts the existence of other religions and philosophies. We recognize that they are all necessary for human development. You can't say that any one way of thinking is right for everybody. That's just dogma. And the last one that I will read. How does meditation remove emotional blockages? Now that's what this book is going to be about, but I'll read his short answer. There are many different ways. One is through understanding the nature of your emotions. That way, your emotion is digested into knowledge wisdom. That's that uh, connected word he's created. Knowledge and uh, knowledge wisdom. Digesting your emotions by wisdom I like this sentence. Digesting your emotions by wisdom is really worthwhile. And this is from a talk in New Zealand in 1975. So the next the next chapter that we'll look at next week, and we may I don't we're not going to read this whole book, but I really want to pull I really want to pull from it to to uh, read with you because I think it's really well written and really uh, great. The next chapter is called Religion, the Path of Inquiry. So that'll be interesting to see what he has to say about religion. So I hope we have some time to sit together just a little bit. I'm taking up our time reading. I'll have to uh, limit that. So. Let's just sit together for a few minutes, and if you can, if you can uh, continue to sit, this can be a really good time to do that. And I think 
reading this first, there'll be the thoughts uh, kind of circulating around inside you, but you you don't don't start analyzing mentally what I read or some, maybe just one sentence kind of struck you as uh, relevant or uh, some idea, it helps you kind of get a hold of an idea. But when you meditate, that's not when we contemplate. I mean, that's not our time for analyzing mentally. But we can just let it settle and let our minds settle around these ideas and then work with them uh, after meditation. But there's certainly, there's a lot of information in this book about how to how to let your meditation be part of that uh, therapy for yourself and how to let it help you with working working with your with yourself and with your uh, with your emotions and attachments so for right now let's just sit for a few minutes and then we'll share merit Roll your shoulders back. Let your body be relaxed. And just be with the breath. If your thoughts or something coming to you from outside, through your sense doors, if it distracts you or causes you to uh, become lost in a thought, don't feel bad about that. Just notice it. Drop it and come back to your breath. There's nothing wrong with those things of seeing, understanding, 
what's going on around us, but we're learning to work with our mind right now to help to help us make some choices in what we're doing with our mind, not just letting it be in control of us all the time. So just keep returning to your breath over and over again. Just begin to feel your mind settle. As we end our practice for today, keep sitting if you can, though, if you have the time. May everything that we each do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the, all of those around us and for all sentient beings in the universe. Let us create harmlessness and send loving kindness out, making the world a more peaceful place. We can each become a refuge. May all of you be well and happy and peaceful and 
have a beautiful celebration for Buddha Day or Visak or Visaka Day, however, and uh, just enjoy a quiet little celebration. Thank you.